It's clear and minus two in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Two protests are planned today, just a day before the new city council will be sworn in. Today's protest is at noon at City Hall, calling on Ward 4 Councillor Sean Chu to resign. Across the street at Olympic Plaza, a counter-protest is planned by a group called Support Sean Chu Action Citizens of Calgary. Chu is facing increased pressure to resign following reports of an investigation into his conduct as a police officer involving a minor in 1997. The Ward 4 councillor won his ward by just 100 votes in last week's municipal election, but Election Calgary has denied a recount, saying there is insufficient grounds for alleging the results were inaccurate. Albertans will need to show two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine starting tomorrow. Details coming up, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I'm looking out my window at the southwest at College Lane. The road is closed between 17th Avenue and 18th Avenue for water repairs. This will be wrapping up early tomorrow morning. The BMW Certified Sales Event is on now until October 24th. Enjoy special offers plus a trade-in credit worth up to $1,500. Contact your local BMW retailer today. Up in Global One, I'm Vanessa Arate. Starting tomorrow, Albertans need to show proof of two COVID-19 vaccine doses to access restaurants, movie theaters, sporting events, and other businesses province-wide. Anyone going into a business or venue participating in the Restrictions Exemption Program will need to provide government-issued proof of having received two doses of COVID-19 vaccine at least 14 days earlier. Those who are not fully vaccinated can still choose to provide a privately paid negative COVID-19 test from within the previous 72 hours or proof of a medical exemption. And starting November 15th, Albertans will have to show their vaccine record with a QR code. Meanwhile, experts say some parents may be apprehensive when it comes to getting their children under 12 vaccinated against COVID-19, with Health Canada reviewing a request for approval from Pfizer-BioNTech for the kid version of the vaccine. Experts say parents should consider the less tangible benefits of vaccination. They include giving officials and parents more confidence about sending kids back to school and extracurricular activities. The Canadian Coast Guard says a fire is continuing to burn in 10 damaged containers aboard a cargo ship, now anchored about 8 kilometres off the coast of Victoria, B.C. Spokeswoman Michelle Mbeau says there are hazardous materials in two of the containers, and an incident command post has been established to deal with the situation. Mbeau says officials are also keeping a close eye on some 40 containers that fell off the Zim Kingston when it ran into rough seas on Friday. So we know that two of those containers also contain hazardous material. Containers are offshore Vancouver Island. They're about 12 nautical miles offshore. Um, and they, both the Canadian Coast Guard and the U.S. Coast Guard are tracking um, the trajectory for those containers. The Coast Guard says the floating containers pose a significant risk to mariners and that with stormy weather in today's forecast, recovering them may be a challenge. Taking a look at sports, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders avoided a third consecutive loss to the Stampeders with a 2017 victory in Calgary last night. The Rough Riders trailed 10-6 at halftime before rallying with a pair of second-half touchdowns to earn the win. In MLB action, the Fall Classic is set. The Atlanta Braves beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in the NLCS to come up with a meeting with the Houston Astros. Houston is in the World Series for the third time in five years, while well, the Braves are making their first appearance since 1999. Global News Sky Tracker weather, 
A bright sunny day ahead with a high of 8. Cloudy overnight, cooling to a low of 5. And the clouds will be around tomorrow morning, but should clear later in the afternoon, reaching a high of 11. Tuesday will be sunny and 12. It's minus 2 at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and we are sitting on October the 24th and that rain yesterday was sure great. It'll uh, benefit a lot of our trees and shrubs and perennials going into winter. Uh, Rain like that just is perfect. Just gets into the ground, soaks in nice and slow. So that'll be great. And we're uh, still being blessed with so many great autumn colors. It's beautiful out there. It's just... uh, the yellows and uh, a lot of the reds are kind of gone, but we are getting still quite a few reds on some of the trees, like the columnar aspen. And a lot of that will determine on the type of soil you have and if you've been feeding them. And, and different things um, will change the color of the pigment in the fall. And obviously temperature has something to do with it. And a lot of you don't get that, uh, that heavy killing frost right off the bat in early early fall like in early september like we have in the past so right now we're still enjoying but i noticed that last little rain and uh it sure knocked the schubert leaves off around in my neighborhood we have a lot of schuberts and they just dropped like crazy that something just triggered that uh the drop on those but the willows still look amazing and again just trying to let people know what to leave uh, for when you go into into winter time, I don't like to cut back my hydrangeas or any of those kind of things because if you cut them back, you're going to open up their wounds to more winter kill. Let the winter desiccation happen on the happen on the existing. Plus, the blooms look kind of neat in the winter. I'm just looking out; mine are all frozen. I got a whole batch of limelight. There's probably two or three hundred blooms out there what do i get one two three four five six seven probably close to eight or nine plants and uh so they're just loaded with the blooms still on them and they look they still look pretty cool they're sort of uh, sort of a brown beigey color but they look kind of cool i might trim the the leaves off because they don't look as nice but just for winter time and then coral foresters in behind so try to look around in your yard too see what you're missing at this time of year because I definitely go by quite a few places and the yards look pretty bland at this time of year. So this is where you want to say, Hey, what can I add in my, in my spots that I have no fall color? Cause if you add it up from now, we got November, December, January, February, March, April. So we have good solid six months and that's half the year of, of looking at what we're looking at now. So, we want to make sure that we have something to to enjoy when you're looking out. And also your outdoor lighting at this time of year, this is when you want to be doing that. This is when you mostly get to enjoy it because, yeah, you, you, it gets dark at earlier, like 6 o'clock or a little bit earlier. And then uh, so you get to see it rather than in the summertime when it doesn't get dark till 11. And again, I try to focus more on the light, not the fixtures, just subtle uplighting. You can add too much and it gets too bright. Um, seeing a few, you end up looking like an airplane landing pad. 
which is uh, kind of not the look you want to go for. I'd start go more subtle first, and then that way um, you can always add and uh, and just keep adding a little bit as you go if you see some things. But nice subtle lighting, get the shadows of your trees, some different things like that. And uh, so I think I'm going to go to Jen. Um, Jen's been on a on a sh- on a boat. Um, <laughs> she's been floating around the ocean. <laughs> And uh, her and Forrest Gump. Hey, hey, how's the shrimp boat? Here we are. Oh, I that was really good, Merle. Right. Oh, and Jen was Forrest Gump's girl. Oh, I get it. I get I, it now. Uh, it's it all was, coming together. Oh, come on now. You meant to do that. That was good. That was a good tie-in. Jen, I'm impressed. Uh, yep. Run, yeah. Jenny. Run. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Great. How are you? Good. So, and I and I know I'm kind of joking, but it's going to lead to something, <laughs> kind yeah. of, sort of. Yeah. Well, tell, tell, let's tell us what it leads to, Merle. Because and well, and, what, and so, what brought your attention to it as well? Well, because I was going through the the greenhouse the other day, and I see these kind of neat looking flowering plants, and some that we've never had. Yeah. So I'm like, and they've and they're just they they're kind of I guess you call them rare. Just they've never been available for a long time. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you got these. So, what are they called? They're the shrimp plants. The shrimp plant, actually, the shrimp plant. I, to be honest, I've never been to Mexico, but apparently that is where they're from. Um, okay. So, yeah, we brought those in. I just kind of went on a whim with that to to see what it was all about. They look like little shrimps. Um, I'm going to post it to my own my own social media for work here, but I know the ladies. They probably have already posted that, to be honest with you. So yeah, they're just this green, evergreen shrub, and they're little, um, they're little white flowers with the bracts on there, and that whole top piece looks like a little shrimp. And yeah, in in Mexico, they can grow as an evergreen shrub from three to four feet tall and wide. Um, they can get leggy, but Hello. they they can get pruned down. But yeah, you can grow them inside. So it's also something for the summer um, that you can kind of take inside over the winter, put it outside. Yeah. Okay, and I was just kind of thinking about them. I think having them in a group doesn't do them justice. I think if we if we separate a couple of them out, mm-hmm. um, might show them off a bit more because they're we have all oh, you see these big yellow blooms and they're kind of cool. But anyway, so I know Jen's always looking for those elusive plants for you to have something a little bit different, different, some yeah, a little conversation true. piece. So, well, and the cool thing, Merle, with these ones, too, is they're not like poinsettias. Like, these guys will bloom when you bring them inside. They'll continue to bloom for you in a bright, sunny spot. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, so you got it. So, if you want to be like Jen and, and go after <laughs> Forrest Gump. <laughs> a little and, bit of uh, Do a little this? running. A little bit we of used to call. We used to call my son Forrest when he was young. He was kind of stubborn, Derek. Oh, and Derek. He, <laughs> he, but he, he didn't want to ride his bike, right? So we'd go bike riding, and he'd just run behind us, and just run, run. Like, it was funny. Go, <laughs> he just Derek, got so go. stubborn. Yeah. So we'd call him for us, run for us, run, and he'd be running behind us on our bikes, and Cute. kind of felt like a bad parent or what? You don't buy your son a bike <laughs> to run beside. <laughs> Poor you. Derek. So he's <laughs> loving that you're bringing this up now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why he's in such good shape now. He looks like a, he was a beast now. So he just all yeah, that running when he was a kid. His yeah. legs are like good tree stumps. So. Good job. <laughs> good training. Like, yeah, like me and uh, who was that? Um, the Russian president, Boris. 
he he wouldn't let his kids have water when they when they played tennis for training. I wasn't that bad. I gave him water. So okay, good. good. Yeah. Anyway, good. we need water. Okay. okay, and we can talk a little bit longer like this because we're in the off season. But typically, we want to talk plants. Typically, we um, want to talk plants. Yeah. And, and, um, and one of the things that just to mention we're bringing in, too, as we get into the festive season, we're starting to bring some of those, you know, cypress in, those lemon cypress in the smaller pots and the Norfolk pines. Those have been going out the door pretty quickly, too. So that's happening. Keep an eye out for those in the greenhouse. And we got confirmation that uh, Santa is coming this year. Whoa. Um, that's with exciting. all the COVID stuff going on, so yeah. we're, and we got the reindeer flying in. So he he assured me that he's roping up all the <laughs> reindeer. Awesome! And he's going to be flying in, and that is, and that's on our social media. But I'm just going to take go on a whim here, and I'm going to say it's December 11th and 12th. And so, if you want to get the best pictures in town with the Santa, the so only fun. Santa. Yeah, and and real reindeer, and because uh, he doesn't bring his fake ones, these aren't pictures. These are like <laughs> real live reindeer. So that's the best. You, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, awesome. so we're we're looking forward to. We missed him last year, so we're looking forward to having him back again at Spruce It Up, um, yeah. December eleventh and twelfth. So good. Um, keep keep an eye on our social media page for that, and. Uh, and we look forward to getting back into the into the Christmas season. Here and, we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll... And just seeing the look in the kids' eyes and and stuff like that, it's uh it's priceless and uh and to see them with the reindeer and the uh, and Santa and stuff like that. So it's uh it's pretty fun. So yeah. we can't wait to get back to that. Here it comes. It's the season. Yeah. Yeah, so you got uh, you got Christmas cactus coming and poinsettias. Oh, yeah, that's, and... that's been coming in already. Lots of flowering things, but yeah, you're right. So going into the festive stuff, but uh, roses are still here right now. Cyclamen, if people are looking for flowering items, we still have some, or plants, I should say, items. Uh, African violets, anthuriums, really cool bromeliads. If you guys, if anybody has any questions, we can show you where they are and, and why they're so cool and why they're so colorful and fun to have inside. Yeah, and yesterday was such a great day. I was stopped in in the afternoon, and you guys were helping out a couple. and And I seen you walk around with this couple earlier, and then I came down and like an hour or so later, and you were still walking around. So <laughs> you were with them a long time, which is awesome. Yeah, no, they were and, fun. And, but that's kind of service you can expect to get. Um, but they got a cartload of plants, and Did you guys ever? transplanted all their tropicals for them. Yeah. That's so fun. And uh, it was so it was so interesting. The young lady, she's this is the they this bought a new house together and stuff like that. So they're getting all the household stuff. And she goes, This is the best shopping I've we've done in this Aww. whole household. It, it was just nice to hear like this she was I'm having so much fun. And yeah. uh, I'm glad we can be part of those kind of experiences with people. So That's again, true. thanks thanks to them for uh and thanks to you and your team for for being uh, so great with our with our people that come in to to visit us. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, always always willing to do a little extra, right? <laughs> well, you <laughs> try to make sure. And, yeah. Yeah, but you try to make sure we have, and it was it was really good getting feedback. Um, mm -hmm. We have a she goes. We have a you guys have the best selection of different kinds of plants, and lots of selection, healthy looking. So those are all things that you're striving for. So. 
Yeah. Anyways. For sure. Um, Thank you. So is it okay to transplant your houseplants right now at this time of year? It's still... Is it okay? Yes, it's okay. I mean, I think that also save yourself the trouble. They're going to slow down growing. If you don't need to transplant them, then I wouldn't worry about it. Save it for the spring season when everything's ready to take off. But is it okay to do so now? Absolutely it is. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, continue to feed your plants. So I will say that. I recommend um, that as well. As long as they're getting some new some new growth, they could use some support. I usually tell people to kind of dial back on the amount um, or maybe as often, but I think feeding yeah. the plants is still important for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, cool. cool. Thanks. All right. Well, anything else uh, that you want to mention that you got uh, going on down there? Oh, no. I did not, I'm just hungry now. I'm going to go look for some shrimp, I think. <laughs> a, little sh- a little shrimp ring with some... Little shrimp uh, ring. Oh, man, that stuff's good. That's a treat. Yeah. 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 A good shrimp cocktail's uh good <laughs> once in a while. So Happy Sunday morning. Talking about <laughs> I'll shrimp. put some on my poached eggs. So. There you go. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks, Merle. All right. Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. (laughs) Bye. Always good. Um, We try to have some fun down at Spruce and uh, and trying to find those different plants and uh, and things like that. So if you want to get on the shrimp plant uh, boat, uh, we definitely got you covered down there and all kinds of other fun stuff. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255. Um, that is the talk and text line. Also, we have a great guest coming in. She has been here for a couple of years, uh, Myrna Pierman, and she's a naturalist and backyard bird specialist, and she's from Chin Ridge Seeds Company. Um, so she's going to uh, give us all kinds of uh, info on backyard birding here in Calgary. So, And uh, looking forward to chat with her. And uh, and get some insight on on that kind of thing. So we'll be chatting with her right after the break at nine thirty-five. The other break, but right now I'm going to take a break for a few commercials. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's only year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to chat with Alberta. Good morning, Alberta. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And I just wanted to thank you for your advice for my poinsettia. Uh, I um, uh, I have it now. It's in bloom. It has must must have at least 35 blooms on it, and they're oh, wow. all really big. And what I really want to know is when can I stop putting it in the dark? And I don't have to put it in there every night and take it out every morning. Yeah, no, and I've it, been doing. If you got the blooms now, you can leave it out. It's it's into that uh, blooming state. So I noticed that the, the, the even the the uh, centers of the blooms have those little thingies in there too. Yeah. So, oh, awesome. it's just great. And I've been giving it the fertilizer uh, that we bought at your shop, and it is so huge. I don't know how I'm going to get it back to my husband. He's in long term care, and I've got to get it back there. And I have no idea how I'm going to get it back. It's so big. 
how did you uh so maybe give us if you don't mind can you just sort of maybe walk us through when did you start doing this and and well i talked to you and you told me it was about the right time to start and i believe it was it must have been maybe uh august or early september something like that okay and then i wasn't sure what to do with it but i phoned i believe i phoned uh, your store and they told me you have to keep it 14 hours uh in complete darkness. Yeah. So that's what I've done. I put it in my bathtub every night, close the curtains and shut the door to the bathroom so it's in complete <laughs> darkness. And oh, nice. I've been giving it the food that uh, we got from you and uh, this is the result. It is just humongous. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so glad that that worked out. Um if you oh. need yeah just if you're going to transport it, try and do it on a nice warm day. Like it's supposed to be decent the next couple of weeks because they they do not take to frost very well. Mm-hmm. So you just want to make sure that you uh, you you take it on a warm day, like above plus five at least. Oh, okay. Maybe this. Well, even I'm, I'm going out today. I'm going over there today, so maybe I could do that. But uh, everybody tells me with their poinsettia, well, we just buy it, and it, and uh, after the blooms are done, we just throw them away. Well, now you know you don't have to throw them away. You can keep it with a little bit of effort. You certainly yeah. can keep them. But they are, they do get big. So typically when we grow them commercially, we, we use uh, a growth retardant on them, and it's oh. sort of to keep them short. It's, uh, it's called cycrocell. And mm-hmm. it's something that you can't get if you're a grower, but that's because if you look, if you go to Mexico or you see them in the in the wild, in natural environment, they're really they can be a tree, like they can be quite big. So um, they they are a large. They can get quite large on you as you oh, go. Oh yes, you're it's saying. large, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so and it actually um, split into two. I have two of them in the pot now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm going to have to figure out somehow to. Uh, join them to you know join them together to move them anyway but i certainly will but i thank you very much and maybe next year i'll try it again with the same plant that's awesome well that's that's great to hear alberta and uh all the best and uh i'm glad you can share that with your husband that's awesome oh yes and even the girls there at the long-term care they that's that's what they told me too that we just throw it away and they can't believe it because my daughter comes and she takes a picture of it every week and we take it over there and they all want to see the picture. So so, so maybe uh, maybe if it's too big to go in the room you can you can bring you can put it somewhere in the center where you can take them to enjoy it and you can sit around and maybe other people can enjoy it as well. Well, that's what we thought too, but uh, we have a table in in the room in his room where awesome. where we started out with, and the table is still big enough to take this plant yet this year. So <laughs> I'll try it again well, next year and see if that if the same thing will happen. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. You know, it, it will. They're pretty. They're and you got a good cycle. As long as you're diligent on the light, that triggers them to go into bloom because you're simulating the same light pattern that they would get down in Mexico. Well, that's so, exactly what I've done because uh, the girl at, at the shop told me they have to have 14 hours of complete darkness. So every night it goes in at 6 o'clock into the bathroom. Every morning I bring it out at 8 o'clock. So well, I've that's, been pretty uh, consistent with it. Kudos to you, Alberta. And that's the thing. You have to be diligent. And with a name like that, uh, we're all proud. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks all very right. much, Then Best Take to you, care. Ben. Bye-bye. Same to you. All the best. Bye-bye. Oh, that's such a good story. I love when we can help out like that. But right now I'm going to take a quick break for the news. You're listening to 
Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's sunny and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Megan Cobb. Two downtown protests are planned today. At noon, a protest calling on Councillor Sean Chu to resign will take place at City Hall, while across the street at Olympic Plaza, there will be a counter-protest in support of Chu. Starting tomorrow, Albertans will need to provide proof of two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine to enter businesses participating in the province's restriction exemption program. The Canadian Coast Guard says there is currently no safety risk to people on shore from a fire burning in several containers aboard a cargo ship off the coast of Victoria. The Coast Guard says an emergency zone has been set up around the MV Zim Kingston as some of the burning containers contain hazardous materials. Sunny and 8 today, cloudy overnight, down to a low of 5, clearing tomorrow and a high of 11. It's minus 1. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to take a quick couple calls and then we'll get Myrna. We're going to chat about birds and we'd love to see them all through the winter. We'll get the, the right info on how, the, how to do that properly. But right now I'm going to go to Ron. Good morning, Ron. Morning, Merle. Hey, how can I help you? With raspberries, my new shoots don't want to wait till spring to bloom. They keep blooming in the fall. <laughs> and then when spring comes along, I don't get much of a crop. Huh. Are you doing your fertilizing late late in the season? No. Okay. Um, I, I didn't fertilize them at all. Okay. So what I would do, they, they're just getting a, a warm hit. There's, a, there's one tree, and it's funny. It's on the Springbank Links Golf Course. I used to go – there was a golf tournament I went in every year – and it wasn't on the last couple of years, but it was at Springbank Links. And on the on the tenth hole, when just going down the hill, on the right by the tee box, there was this apple tree, and it would be blooming in September. About half the tree, and it did it every three or four years in a row. I was just like, it was just bizarre. So, and it's just it, it's just a, a soil. What I would do though with your raspberries, don't do any cutting back. Don't. Don't cut anything back. So just let it go into fall here, leave it, and then next spring don't cut anything back unless it's total deadwood. Yeah, you can take it out. But other than that, but then I'd feed it pretty. Give it a couple good shots of the fifteen thirty fifteen. Okay. Um, early spring, water it well first, and then fertilize. Yeah. Um, we just want to trigger that the phosphate to it first thing in the spring to get it blooming. Okay, and so use what fifteen thirty. Yeah, high middle number. Okay. And my other question is, I have 30 Saskatoon plants, and I've got this red spot or red berry fungus, and I'm wondering what to treat it with and where to get it. (laughs) Okay, you get like a little scab on it? No, the berries form, and then very early they start turning red, and they just shrivel up and... Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's it could be lack of water as well. Um, just I don't I don't just, think so because it's happened to me three years in a row and and I have okay. watered them. 
Okay, because typically when like when a Saskatoon gets going, they do need the fairly heavy um, uh, water hydration when they because they form their leaves, they're forming their blooms, and then they got to form the fruit. And if they don't have enough moisture in the ground at that point, they will just shrivel up. Like sometimes you'll also get these little; they look like a little canker blister on the fruit. And that's a that's a different thing. That's a bit of a fungus. But if they're just shriveling up, I, I would say you need to just do some deep watering early spring. So when they're forming, like even before they leaf out, put the soaker hose on them, give them a really good watering in, um, sort of once a week, up until you see the blooms, and then just start seeing the fruit, and then you can start laying off at that point. Because like checking on the internet, they talk about how the Saskatoon crop in Western Canada is devastated with with this with the fungus, and they say on some of that, if yeah. you see that blistering for sure, but not the shriveling up. That's sort of what I was saying. And we did have like I know a lot of the Saskatoon guys had a pretty good crop. Uh, apples and stuff this year were good. It was just it was just the really dryness is what affected them as well. Okay, well we'll give right. that a try. Please do. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And I am just going to take – actually, I'm going to go right to Myrna. We're going to go – where are we at for time? we got lots of time. We're going to go to Myrna. And Myrna Pearman is a naturalist (laughs) and backyard bird specialist. And you're now with Chinrid Seeds, which supply us with all our great bird seed. And a couple of the brands they have is Bird Choice and Mother Nature. So welcome to the show, Myrna. Thank you very much. And uh, after I realized that we've had uh, a relationship in the past about birds, I remember we chatted with you a couple of years ago. And yes, so we it's did great have to have you back on. Yes, yeah. thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so... And from what I remember, we learned lots from you and your your bird passion, and obviously you're you're a bird specialist, backyard specialist, which is um, great to hear. And you're hooked in with a good company. So, yes, I'm uh, very pleased. Yeah. So why why do we want to feed the birds like going into fall and winter? Okay. So basically, I would say there are two reasons. One is we want to help the birds. I think most people who feed the birds are altruistic, they like feel that it benefits the birds, and it does. The birds that have access to supplemental food are going to be healthier and they're going to be able to survive the winter storms. And so basically it is a benefit to the birds. But the main reason, I think, is that it benefits us. (laughs) There's been lots of scientific studies to show that when we're in nature, we're in the company of our wild neighbors, we just feel better. And so I, for one, just love standing at my kitchen window and watching the chickadees and watching the birds. So we do it for ourselves. And it, that's just a great reason to feed the birds because it gives us great joy. And I just wanted to also mention that feeding is a great way to collect scientific data. So there are programs like this, the back, Great Backyard Bird Count in February. Yeah. There's a the Christmas Bird Count. And then most importantly, and I would urge all of your listeners who have bird feeding stations up to participate in this nationwide collection of data, and it's called Project Feeder Watch. So 
if you're collecting this, this information, you are a citizen scientist, and you're collecting this very important information about population trends and numbers of birds across North America. So there's lots of really good reasons to, to have bird feeding stations out. Absolutely. And I, like this summer, I planted, I call it the hummingbird mix. We have this plant called a vermilionaire and canna lilies. And it just attracts hummingbirds like crazy. So I, I love, I have them on my patio. I sit in the backyard and it's almost like clockwork. I can just watch the hummingbirds come and they just, they zoom around my, my planters. I usually do one or two of them, and this year I had two of them, but they, they really preferred the yellow canna lilies to the okay, red. that's interesting. Yeah, there and, is, I think there's no joy like watching hummingbirds. And well, you can and put the, in uh, hummingbird feeders, but like you had suggested, putting out the plants for them is a much better option. Yeah, it, it was just, it's interesting, and I get you get the same satisfaction when you do um, a bird feeding um, when you when you get the right seed, you're not just throwing down the the big bag of the mix. It's yeah. nice to know if you're trying to <laughs> to to address what kind of birds. And yeah. Myrna, actually, I'm just going to put you on hold. We're going to take a quick break because I'm right up against the little time thing that I got to follow. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll get back and we'll do a uh, finish off this segment um, right after the break. So um, keep listening to to Myrna and I. We're going to chat a little bit more about birds right after the break. You're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and we're talking birds right now. We're talking with Myrna, and she is from Chinrid Seeds. And uh, so, Myrna, we're just getting going on on the types of food and and the and the and the satisfaction that you do get when you when you do get those different kinds of birds and and uh and can you maybe mention maybe like what are the maybe top three kinds of feed we should look at doing here in our sure. region and what kind of birds could we expect yeah sure i could do that i just wanted your comment just before we went to the break was a great segue into talking about seeds and the difference between the junky mixes that you buy at the hardware store, which go to waste, and the Chin Ridge seeds, which I have used literally for decades. So they're high quality, they're clean, and the fact that Chin Ridge is a local family-owned business, I think... Um, has, I love that part, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that they... Yes. So their product is great, and I'm looking out my window here at all of the... I've got a tube feeder with sunflower chips, a mesh feeder with peanuts, a, a squirrel-proof feeder with sunflowers, whole sunflowers. And so, so, so I guess just to, on those three, what, what can you expect? So from the first one, you mentioned the sunflower. So what kind of birds would I typically expect to see yeah. if I'm feeding them that? Okay. More birds eat sunflowers and more animals, actually. Sunflowers are eaten by more animals than any other plant which is totally amazing. So not only birds, but bees and coyotes and porcupines. So all kinds of creatures love sunflowers. So okay. you can serve sunflowers in the shell, and that's great. But Chinridge and other companies have now offer sunflowers shelled. So for gardeners, this is such a great thing because you can bring in the birds, but you don't have the mess. And so sunflower chips, it's been my observation that almost any bird that will come into a backyard 
will eat sunflower chips. Right now I've got nut hatches on my sunflower chips, the chickadees, the downy and hairy woodpeckers, even the blue jay is trying to steal the sunflower chips. It's having a hard <laughs> nice. time on this little tube feeder, which is a good thing. And so sunflowers are number one. Number two are peanuts. Okay. And so you can serve whole peanuts. Of course, the blue jays love the whole peanuts. And, or you could do the shelled peanuts. And again, squirrels love all of the seeds. So I've got some ideas in my, I've written a, three books actually about backyard bird feeding. And so I have some ideas in my books about how to keep the squirrels away um, because they will just eat you out of house and home. So the number, the second thing are peanuts. And then the third is some sort of suet. So, of course, you've got the insect eaters and the seed eaters. So it's always good to have suet out. So suet is just rendered fat, and you can either put it out, like you can get the fat and melt it down, or you can just buy the little suet cakes that are now readily available. And they're great to put out. So with the with the peanuts, what kind of birds should, can we expect to see? Like rather than uh, probably more a little bit bigger birds, I assume. Well, for the whole peanuts, so I have sat here and watched the little chickadees peck the whole the peanuts in the shell. The nuthatches will peck them. The woodpeckers will peck them. So they will all take the peanuts in the shell. But the shelled peanuts, and there's two kinds. There's blanched and red skin, are wonderful for just any bird. I have sat okay. and watched the nuthatches take them, the chickadees take them, the woodpeckers okay. take them. So they have, there's many species that will love to come in and dine on peanuts. Okay, nice. Okay, and, and for the other one, I guess the suet would be similar to that. If you're, if you're looking to, to get some specific, that's just a different type of food. Well, so we have the birds that come, okay, so maybe I should just give a quick explanation of why we have winter birds. So birds stay here in the winter because they can find food. In the summer, we have the migrants that come up from the south. They feed on the insects. Of course, fall comes, insect numbers decline. Eventually, the insects are covered by snow. They're frozen. They're covered under ice. And so the food sources are reduced. And so if you're a bird that spends the winter here, you have to be able to eat frozen insects, buds, berries, seeds, carrion, or live prey. That's it. And so the birds that migrate can't find food. The ones that stay can, and they are very adaptable. So if we put out the suet, right now I'm watching a little downy woodpecker peck at the suet. They are, they love equally the suet and the seeds. But when we get in the winter finches and we get, so the red poles and the pine grass beaks, they do not eat the suet. They will stick strictly to the seeds. And so okay. even though they eat insects in the summer, in the winter, they're seed eaters. So that's why it's so important to have out the seeds. Okay. Does that awesome. make sense? Yes. Is there, is there any kind of stuff we can put out that is not good that could be harmful? Yes. So if you cook bacon in the morning, do not put out, and you collect the grease, do not put out grease from any processed food. That is not great. Okay. Bread is not good. Any bread products are not great, so donuts, white bread. Although I did have a friend who fed one entire winter her neighborhood boreal chickadees on a steady diet of bran muffins. And so sometimes the birds will come in. But generally, things like bread and popcorn and any suet or any fat from processed meats are no-nos. Okay. Okay. And, And what about the myth about water? Like, 
um, the heated bird bass. There was some story. I remember I posted it, and they said they came into the electric water bowl, and then the birds would leave, and they'd be frozen when they get in the air. They'd fall out of the sky. <laughs> oh, dear. So here's the story on that. We have our native birds that have evolved over millennia with open water. So there will be little springs open all winter long. These birds will go in, and if they can find open water, they will take a drink or have a bath if it's a warm day. Yeah. Now, they can also eat snow, so it's not a problem. They don't, abs- they don't need open water for survival. But we have two introduced species, the house sparrow and the European starling. Now, they've only been in North America for a couple hundred years. They have not adapted and so they will go in and they will splash and bathe around when it's 20 below, and they're the ones that will suffer. They'll come out and they'll like, freeze to a metal fence or die of hypothermia. Okay. Our good native birds have long, long evolved to, to know when they should just go to the little bird bath and have a sip, and when they better, they can have a bath, and when to just stay away. Okay, so you'd, is it recommended that we put water out if you're able to do an electric water bowl? Yes, or? I have a Absolutely. heated, yeah, you can get, just put a dog dish out and put a big rock in the middle, or you can buy, there's lots of styles of heated bird baths. I have one, and I have a little rock in the middle, so you want to make sure the water is shallow. Yeah. So the little bird can sit on the, op- the, the part of the rock that's above the water and then just take a little sip. Okay. And so there should be no problem with providing open water. Okay. And I got a couple of questions on the text line. We got, what about pheasants? Do they eat wheat or sunflowers? Yes. yes. Oh, well, they, well they, anything will eat sunflowers, but wheat yeah. is a good food for pheasants. Absolutely. They love it. And oats. So this is the other thing with these cheap commercial mixes is they will put wheat and oats in them along with this Milo, red Milo, which... Nothing eats but gambles, quail, and roadrunners, which aren't in Alberta. Yeah. But, yeah, so those aren't good in the mixes that you feed for the, gen- the birds out of your tube feeder but if- or hopper feeders. But if you have pheasants coming in or grouse, absolutely. They love wheat and oats. Okay. And crap and I got Okay, I got one more here. Please ask the bird lady <laughs> um, what the robins that stay over like. Uh, well, berries. And so... Uh, you can collect berries in the fall and put them out, and they will just love to eat on frozen berries. Now, I had a friend who was very concerned about the birds in her backyard, and in a spring snowstorm, the robins all descended and didn't have anything to eat. So she soaked a bunch of raisins in prune juice and put them out, and the robins loved them. Now, okay, that's a little bit blueberries? extreme. We think that would be okay like if you had a bag of frozen blueberries in you? Yes. Absolutely. Any frozen fruit will be good for the robins in the winter. Any frozen fruit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's um, a wealth of information. And uh, I do got to take a, a break here. But I'm going to say goodbye for this one. That was great. We covered a lot of a lot of ground. And we'll make sure we get you back on. Um, probably going to try once a month, hopefully, here going into the winter time because there's always lots to chat about and we can talk sure. about all the all the different things we've done before yeah. um so thanks again myrna and okay. she's with chinrid seeds and we do carry all their products down at spruce it up so and if anybody's interested in my backyard bird feeding book they can just go on myrnapeerman.com and order it awesome that is okay. great well, and we you. are going to try and get those in stock yeah. again i know we're It'd sold out i just found out from brad as yeah. well 
All right. Okay. Thanks again, Verna. All right. Take Thank care. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And we are going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go right to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Janet. Good morning, Janet. Um, two questions for you. Um, one, I've got a potentilla that needs to be trimmed back. Do I wait until the spring to do that, or can I do it right now? Um, uh, you can do it now, but I prefer to wait till spring because that way you don't get any winter kill on the new, like when you cut it back, because then it'll go down deeper. So I would wait till spring. If there's some branches that are hanging over or, or kind of looks kind of, you can even it up right now. But any of that heavy pruning that you look in the shape, like a shrub like that, I, I would wait till spring. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, it just finally quit blooming and not very long ago, so I thought that's probably the good answer. So my next question for you, though, has to do with houseplant. And, um, oh, a few months back you talked about um, how um, the, uh, the salts in this, the mineral salts in the soil can um, make the tips of the plants uh, um, go quite brown. Yep. Um, and so I have a prayer plant that's fairly old. It's in a, a, a large pot that would be oh, a good 14 inches in diameter. And so um, over the summertime, the only thing that I did to water it was I took it outside and literally flushed it with the hose and let the water, water run right through it. Perfect. Um, and so it's really taken care of a lot of that brown um, that was on it. There is still some coming on it. But... I'm not even sure how to water it now that I can't take it outside. It's it's the leaves are not drooping on it. How um, big of a pot is it? And so the pot it'd be 14 inches in diameter. Yeah, if you, you can, if you if it can go into the shower, but you don't need to do that every time. So mm-hmm. if you just if you just add it, if you just water it. Um, decently throughout the winter a bit like and then try to do it once a month or every couple months where you take it into a sink or into the bathtub and give it a really good flushing mm-hmm. that's that's usually great okay um so so literally i've been watering it once a month right now um, okay perfect. Um, and you know you talk about the plant needing to get dry before it well yeah. like the dirt is coming away from the sides of the pot right now it's not showing any sign though that it's short no, of and that's moisture. perfect so if it's if it's that dry the soil's that dry it's time to water it like you don't okay. have to stress it out to a point of wilting or anything okay all right Good and and then how often? Like the one thing that has changed on it, it used to flower quite regularly. It's not flowering, although Again, it is still it's growing leaves, but it's not flowering. Yeah, so I would then fertilize once a month with the fifteen thirty fifteen, get that mm-hmm. phosphate going in it, and then you yep. should be good to go. But I got to go, Janet. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. Sorry about that. I got to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR. It's sunny and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Starting tomorrow, Albertans need to show proof of two COVID-19 vaccine doses to access restaurants, movie theaters, sporting events, and other businesses province-wide. 
anyone going into a business or venue participating in the restrictions exemption program will need to provide government-issued proof of having received two doses of COVID-19 vaccine at least 14 days earlier. Those who are not fully vaccinated can still choose to provide a privately paid negative COVID-19 test from within the previous 72 hours or proof of a medical exemption. And starting November 15th, Albertans will have to show their vaccine record with a QR code. With several road closures in effect this weekend, commuting around Calgary might lead to some headaches. However, you may be able to catch a glimpse of a multi-million dollar film production. First Street Southwest in Victoria Park is the latest location in Calgary to be transformed into a post-apocalyptic setting as filming continues on HBO's adaptation of the popular video game The Last of Us. Last weekend, the 4th Avenue flyover was nearly unrecognizable after being turned into a wasteland, featuring broken-down vehicles and busted-up concrete. The road closures in and around 1st Street Southwest are expected to be in place until next Thursday. A ceremony paying tribute to Canada's veterans will go ahead on Sunday in Chestermere, despite controversy over a poppy crosswalk there. Global's Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports. City of Chestermere crews painted poppies on a crosswalk near the home of Chestermere Cenotaph this week. The idea came from a local teenager, but there was pushback from the National Office of the Royal Canadian Legion. A spokesperson for the Legion says the display would have resulted in people walking on the poppy image, which is deemed disrespectful, saying the poppy of remembrance is a sacred symbol in Canada representing actual individuals who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. The spokesperson compared it to walking on the Canadian flag or a gravestone. But the operations manager of the Veterans Association Food Bank in Calgary says it's disappointing to hear the national office see it that way. Charles Redeker says it's fantastic the city of Chestermere is supporting the 14-year-old behind the poppy crosswalk and he doesn't think it's disrespectful. The city of Chestermere says it's proud to support the community initiative that was created as a way to show respect and support for veterans. The family behind the poppy crosswalk is holding an event on on Sunday to officially unveil the crosswalk. The Legion's national headquarters will be working with the city of Chestermere to come up with a longer-term solution to the situation in the coming days. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. The Canadian military is headed to Saskatchewan to lend a hand as the province deals with COVID-19 cases that are overwhelming its hospitals. Public Safety Minister Bill Blair says Ottawa is also in talks with the province to provide additional help from the Canadian Red Cross and other health resources. Saskatchewan has already transferred some COVID-19 patients to Ontario. The Canadian Coast Guard says a fire is continuing to burn in 10 damaged containers aboard a cargo ship now anchored about 8 kilometres off the coast of Victoria, B.C. Spokeswoman Michelle Limbeau says there are hazardous materials in two of the containers and an incident command post has been established to deal with the situation. So there's an incident command post that's led by the Canadian Coast Guard on behalf of the government of Canada. And the other members of the incident command post include the province of BC, and um, we're going to have a number of First Nations representatives. And that incident command post will then manage and coordinate uh, this multi-agency response. An emergency zone has been set up for one nautical mile around the Zim Kingston. On Friday, 40 containers, including some that contained hazardous cargo, fell overboard when the Zim Kingston ran into rough seas off the west coast of Vancouver Island. Taking a look at sports, a fairly quiet Sunday in the National Hockey League today. Four games with no Canadian teams in action. 
The San Jose Sharks are in Boston this afternoon. Nashville is at Minnesota. Detroit is at Chicago. And the New York Islanders are in Vegas. Meanwhile, there's a full slate of games in the National Football League. The top two teams in the AFC North are going head-to-head with the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. In the AFC East, the New England Patriots look for their first home win of the season as they welcome the New York Jets. Global News Sky Tracker weather, the sun is back for most of the week, sunny with a high of 8. Cloudy overnight, low of 4. And tomorrow will be clearing with a high of 11 degrees. It's minus 1 at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Those are the talk and text line. And I do have Chris on the other line. She is doing the text support for me today. So she's responding, and I'm doing the odd response in between if I have some time. But right now I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you? Good, good. How can I help you? I am trying to uh, winter over some rose bushes. They're the actual crawling rose bushes and some ivy in the garage. It's a heated garage. Um, do they need light, or what should I do with them when I put them in the garage? The temperature okay. will be about 4 or 5 degrees um, Celsius. Okay. And so what and they're, are they? Uh, what zone are they? Are they like a tea rose, or are they... Uh... No, they're like a, a shrub rose, like a crawling okay. shrub rose. Okay. Um, they they can even take an unheated garage. So if they, if it can get a little bit cooler, they just need to go through that dormant period as well. It does help them shut down. So okay. have they lost all their leaves now in that, or are nope. they, have you keeping them almost like a house plant? They're they're outside still, and they still have all their leaves. Okay. Okay. So they're still outside in pots or in the ground? Yeah, in pots. Okay. Yeah, so what I would do, so obviously they've gone through, they have they will lose their leaves if they've been outside now, the, this cool um, weather, so they're going to start wintering now. So yeah, you can bring them in. If you can run the garage a little bit cooler, is even better, because you just don't want to spur them on again. Um, okay. So you want to let them go through a dormant period. So water them well, and obviously with the rain, that would help, but I'd water them well, bring them in, keep them in the coolest, darkest place, sort of in the garage they don't really need light over the winter it's more essential to be a little bit cool they just you just don't want that minus 20 okay like for them but and the biggest thing is keeping them consistent so i'd put a little bit of mulch or like a cocoa moss or uh some sort of peat moss or something over top like a mulch just to keep the soil moist so they don't dry out over the winter time okay so, like I said, this cool, cool place, coolest spot you got in your garage, I mean, closer to the door or even if it gets a little bit of a draft or some that cool corner. Well, and, uh, another, and I have another garage that's unheated. Would be better put it there? Absolutely. Yeah, that's even best. I've done hydrangeas, Japanese maples, things like that in unheated garage and, they, and with great success. Okay. I've got some ivies also that I've been wintering over, um, and they're still fine. Can I put should I put them in the unheated garage or in the heated garage? Sorry, what was that one? Sorry, they're just like ivies that you bought like um, annuals. 
their IV yeah, annually. Those those could be more in the heated garage. I know they can take some unheated, um, okay. like in Vancouver and that you'll see them, depending on what variety, but more so in uh, those can stay in the heated garage. Those will need light over the winter. Okay. So those don't really, they don't lose their their leaves and that, so. Okay, I can, yeah, I've got a window I can put them right behind. Can I ask you another question? Absolutely. Um, I bought some blueberry kind of bushes during a, a kind of like a hailstorm sale, and they're, they, they were kind of shredded from the hail. I planted them, and they look fine. Should I cut the dead wood off now or wait till spring to cut that wait dead wood Wait till spring. Off? Yeah, okay. wait till spring. Same thing I mentioned earlier, any of that, unless it's broken or, or damaged in any way. But if it's just the deadwood, definitely take – but if it's just you want to prune it back, I would leave it all till spring. And that way it just gives it that extra protection. If you if you sort of cut them right back and then you're opening it up to any kind of winter desiccation. Okay. And one other quick one. We have just a, uh, a yard – rejuvenation and I've got one spot that I was going to put a shrub in is it too late to put the shrub in the ground's not frozen yep still great time the ground's nice and warm most of the shrubs that you're buying right now are are starting to go dormant they've gone through the the frost process as well they're out I love plants at this time of year it works great and like I said a lot of times you're getting a really good deal on stuff right now Um, I know we still have a few trees and shrubs I'm going to be planting a bunch of stuff this week I've been piling up a few things from my yard that are going to go in next week. So um, absolutely great time to do it. Excellent. Thanks so much for your help. All right. Thanks for calling. Bye. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye-bye. Yeah. And if you're, if you're looking to do any planting, like I said, right now is a great time. You still got to water it in really well, cover them with mulch. And if we do get a really warm winter, just ensure that you get out and water them on those really warm days um, because they haven't had a time to establish their roots, etc. So it's a, it's easier for them to dry out. So you want to make sure we're adding some moisture throughout the winter to make sure they get frozen in really well from there. So if you could do that, that would be great. And if you'd like to call me, phone lines are wide open, 403 nine seven four eight two five five i'm just a little bit early to take a break but if you'd like to join me that would be great and we got quite a few a few more texts on the line and uh this asking about the name of the seeds and that we carry and again that was the chin rid seeds and we do carry them down at spruce it up they were wondering about the birds and we're gonna definitely bring um, Myrna back in because I remember last year we talked with her about um, putting out branching, putting out certain things to to help winter the birds to give them a little bit of place to hide out um, and things like that. And also watering, we, we're having a hard time getting the heated bird bass. So what we also recommend is a lot of the pet stores carry a a heated dog bowls you can go there and you get those and do what myrna suggests is stick a couple rocks in there and what that does that enables the bird to sit and stand on the rock and then just put its beak down into the water and able to get drinks that way which is it's much safer and it's just it's better than something that's way too deep for the bird to get into 
and and do it that way. So another thing that you want to do, you still have if you haven't done your last fertilizer for your grass, right now is a great time to to finish that off, get it down and I got a ton of leaves that just blew down, so I'm going to blow a bunch of those leaves today just off the grass into the into the shrub beds just to help protect the things for winter give those ladybugs and those other beneficial creatures a little bit of a heightened space and also keep the moisture in it worked like a bit of a mulch for your for all your trees and shrubs and definitely your perennials and uh with that rain yesterday that was that was great to see so if you haven't rolled up your hoses yet uh if you're going to do that today give everything one more shot hose off the all your evergreens give everything one more drink a little bit more water definitely won't hurt anything going into into the winter time and again i'm going to take a break here but if you'd like to join me after that phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr Good morning. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone line, and I'm going to chat with Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. I have a um, orchid, and it, it's, it's doing great, but it's doing things, great things. It's got a keiki on it. <laughs> I read okay. that when the keiki got the roots, you could take that off and plant it. Well, the keiki isn't getting the roots. The keiki from the keiki, it's grown another flower, flower shoot. It's put another flower shoot off the old plant, and the old plant has got one, two, three, four, five, six roots. Just, it's going root crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you, after this, do you transplant it? Um, you can, but I just, again, you got to wait till those roots um, um, form. And sometimes that takes longer than than typically. So, okay. <laughs> um, so I would just keep enjoying it, let it do what it's doing, because okay. you, you just don't want to mess. I took the only reason I I know this as well too. I took one of those KKs off, and for everybody's wondering what that is, that's the what it does is the the orchid will start another orchid plant off the flower stem, right? And these are like little baby orchids, so <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. I've never, and this was just a good old store-bought save-on food. <laughs> yeah. Just, I've had it for two years, and the silly thing just, but when it started going nuts like this, I thought, ooh, after it gets the flower, do I transplant it? It's in a small plot, It's and it's growing like crazy. I mean, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to transplant them. Um and if you get more than one, I always like to put a couple, two or three, like get a larger orchid pot. Oh, Because okay. then that way when you get a larger one, it's it's just nice because then you could add two or three in there. And then a lot of times they'll bloom at different times. So you'll Perfect. get – Yeah, which is nice because then you're getting blooms throughout the season, not just off one plant. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so give that a try. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Let it form some of those big, nice roots. Okay. And uh, and then at that point, you can do the, the transplanting into another one or into the same pot. Like you could transplant the the whole thing um, into one it, big into pot. Into a bigger, bigger pot. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it should take probably maybe 
maybe like a month to get roots because nothing that's got leaves, but there's nothing. No yeah, it takes a while. They're slow on the roots, too. Yeah, so okay. it, it does take a while. I just... Okay. Because um, mine had formed another one, and actually, it's been a couple months, and it's slow. Like it, okay. that process is slow. It okay. just you just I've, have to be just be patient, just let be it patient. do its thing. Okay, yeah. I've never I've never experienced this before. So it's yeah, so just like I said, just be patient with it, <laughs> okay. let it form its roots. Good. But if it's doing all that other stuff, enjoy it. Like I uh, will. It's beautiful. I've just I've had them before, and they just basically die. <laughs> <laughs> this, one, <laughs> this one just it shocked it just shocked me i've never seen anything like this before well thanks that's Merle. that's so great all yeah. right okay all right. thanks a million thank you so okay. much thanks you for sharing yeah bye-bye bye-bye bye. all right i love when i hear that i would also just like to welcome beverly to the show good morning beverly good morning how can well, i help you a lot Spring, we worked in a whole bunch of um, dried leaves from the fall before into our vegetable garden. Rototilled okay. them in. Everything grew just fine. But this fall, when I'm taking out carrots and beets and things, the ground is like rock. <laughs> so I'm yeah. not sure what I did and how to uh, solve the problem for next spring. Um, so what I'd like to is, is is you just got to get some amendments in there. You got to just add. If how big of an area you're talking? It's it's a really big garden. It's like probably 800 square feet. It's big. Okay, yeah, so you're yeah. So you got so so if, what you can do is even if you can get some of that mushroom manure. Um, oh. I know my dad always used to get that. Used to put that in. Okay. It, it just adds. Just be careful to get too much salt, but if you can get it on now, it's even better. Okay. Because then it can drain it out and, and get rid of the, some of the salt content over the winter time. Okay. And so if you can get some of that, that just adds that good fibrous organic material to it. Okay. Um, and what else? Um, you can get some sand, but you want to make sure it's a sharp sand. Try, don't use – even pea gravel works good. Like if you get that really small, like right. like 10 mil or 20 mil, like even that that's the smallest I would go or the biggest I would go, like 10 mil. Okay. And you can even mix that into your soil because then it loosens it up. All right. And you work it in. It's So if you can get that 5 or 10 mil um, gravel to mix in there, I'm trying to find you – Solutions that aren't going to break the bank either. Right. <laughs> so, if you, so if, if I, I say to get a bunch I, of bags yeah. of peat moss, ain't bad either. Okay, if I um, put say some mushroom compost on, do I just put it on the top or do I try to work it in? Um, what I would do, I would definitely try. What I would do is I would dig the garden up if you can a bit now. I know yours is fairly big, and try and leave it a little bit lumpy over the winter, and put the mm -hmm. put the mushroom compost over over top of the. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because then it would reach more surface if it's all kind of some stuff. Yeah, out. and then mix it yeah. in in the spring. Okay. All right. Thank you very and, much. Uh, you're just trying to add some organic matter to it to soften it up. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that. It's always harder when you got the big areas because it just uh, a lot of it just it just adds to the the volume and and trying to keep your costs 
in line as well. Because we, we do sell the, is it like good soil too? Because you might even just want to add some good, like a garden mix. Like I know we sell it in bulk or like Eagle Lake has it as well, something like that. Yeah. Um, um, it is good soil. Well, it usually is until I do something silly like this. But um, yeah, but I don't I think you, that, I don't think I that just... did. I don't think the leaves were the problem because that it's probably just over time that it gets. Um, it does. It's they'll heated. get hard after a while. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Good luck. Yeah, those are always hard ones, but anything you're adding to and if, if you're still listening adding any of the garden and any of your um, garden scraps or your table scraps any of those vegetable peels all that stuff just throw all that out over the winter and uh, and it'll be gone in the spring it's amazing I just remember my mom and we'd throw them out all summer long and over the winter and uh, that was our big compost bin and then in the spring we'd turn it over Typically, would add some mushroom manure in the fall, and then mix it in in the winter or in the springtime. I mean, and uh, that just gives it that uh, little bit of organic matter to to help get you through the through the winter. But right now, I'm going to go to. I think that was Beverly. I'm going to go to Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. How can I help you? Good. I enjoy your show when I have a little journal that I write notes when I'm listening to other people. So it's nice to learn from everyone. Uh, that's and that's so great. I and I, I was always amazed at that. I've had people come into the garden center and then they have a Let's Talk Gardening journal that they have, <laughs> and it, just, it makes me pretty happy. And it's, it makes me like a little proud moment. You think, hey, this is this is awesome. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad I can help. I got to take. Um, I have bought a foxglove this year, and it was beautiful. It blossomed and has lots of uh, oh, nice. flowers and pods on it now. And so I know you recommend to leave everything, so I've left it. And I just Googled it just to kind of confirm. And yeah. it was um, a couple things I learned was that it can be toxic. That they, they said you should use gloves to work with it and uh, also that it blooms every other year is that typical of all the I believe a lot of the foxgloves are that way are more of a biannual Um, and I I wish and this is where I'm going to start getting Terry on he's our our perennial guru a bit more on some of this stuff because Mm -hmm. I I am on some of the varieties on the perennials is sort of my weak spot in my garden. So I'm just kind of looking in here, but I'll answer on some of those. Yeah, they are a biannual. Yeah. Typically most of them are biannuals. You'll get growth every second year or flowers. Like a little shrub next year. Yeah. Yeah. Just tiny fertilize or anything. Okay. Just wait. Be patient. Yeah. Be patient. Alrighty. Uh, yeah, and can I add sand to my garden? Do you know? I have- Actually, make sure it's sharp sand, not the concrete sand, because if oh, you're okay, using the other sand, you can you can make it almost like mortar, and then it create you create concrete out there, which oh, you don't okay. want to do. Good. I got Thanks a lot. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. I'm going to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's sunny and one degree in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. Two downtown protests are planned today. At noon, a protest calling on Councillor Sean Chu to resign will take place at City Hall. 
while across the street at Olympic Plaza, there will be a counter-protest in support of CHU. Starting tomorrow, Albertans will need to provide a proof of two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine to enter businesses participating in the province's restriction exemption program. Emergency services responded to an explosion and fire at a crude oil tank farm yesterday east of Edmonton. The RCMP say the fire was contained to the tank farm site and no one was injured. At, the, at this time, the explosion is not believed to be criminal in nature. Sunny and 8 today, cloudy overnight, down to a low of 5, clearing tomorrow with a high of 11. It's 1 degree, breaking news when it happens, our next update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's only year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to go to the phone line. I still have Gord on the line. Good morning, Gord. Hello? Hi, Gord. How are you? Good, good. Good. How can I help you? We, I put in a above-ground garden last year. Okay. And tremendous garden. It had huge tops, huge everything, good everything. This year, absolutely nothing. The only thing we got were peas and I guess uh, I guess some uh, you know some 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 things like. Oh, radishes were, were zero, no spinach, no carrots. Everything came up and then just died. It seemed to get about two inches high and quit. Zucchini had tons of blossoms on them, and that was it. Uh, did you amend the soil or anything? Did not, and I'm not sure what I should do with it. Yeah, when I, when I do, and how big of an area are you talking? But I've got five four-by-eight beds, and they're about two okay. feet high. Okay, so that's that's manageable. So what I would do is typically remove even the top third, and if you have another spot, you can put them in, like into a shrub beds or something like that. Okay, or if they, you don't, they, they did get lots of water, but it's well water. And that, but if you had that the year before, that's fine too. Okay. It's just the nutrients when you when you're doing in a box like that. And and if you have lots of veggies, they will use up the nutrients pretty quick. So there's another couple of products you can use. Like we have a groundskeeper's pride. It's a granular fertilizer. And right now is a great time to mix that into any of your vegetable beds as well. Okay. Um, and it's always harder growing some of the root veggies on a summer like we just had when it's so hot. Yeah. Because it just stretches everything, right? And that And the... The veggies do a little bit better when it's cooler, like like even the radishes and things. They like to keep the roots a little bit cooler. Okay. So when we get that super hot, what we just went through, it was hard. So it pushed a lot of things up, and especially if a lot of the nutrients were used up, um, it just there's probably some nitrogen left. So they just they more bolt. So you get your radishes, you'll get some green tops, and there's nothing on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. We just like there just really wasn't anything at all like the carrots were terrible the the potatoes were just really spindly like there was no really no tops they just had big long zero on them and onions okay. didn't grow swiss chard 
nothing like that grew at all. Came up and then just died. Okay, it sounds like you used up most of the nutrients, and then, and and just the proper watering is important, especially in the beds. But I would I would concentrate more on adding, like just adding some good soil to the to the beds. Like if you can remove some of it, add some some good garden soil back in. Okay, and especially when you're doing the root crops, that's where you want to use more of like like a garden loam. What is sea soil? Um, that's one you could add, but I would add that more to my upper crops. Okay. So, and you can add it to the to the potatoes and that as well. But they like more of a a harsher soil. Like they like they don't mind our good garden soil that we have here in Alberta. Like just the good the black loam right. is and the potatoes and your radishes and carrots will grow great and that stuff. When you get some of the other leafy things. And and some of the other like peas that they they would prefer a little bit of a lighter soil. Okay. So that's where you can mix in um, any of those mixes like yeah. that, and you can even just use a good potting soil. We have a three in one mix that's actually really good, and then we have a topsoil plus, and, top and that's one I would add to your root crops. Ah, great. And to make it easy, on something like that, you said four by eight. So I'd probably add four bags of the topsoil plus to each of those. And that's fairly inexpensive, and, and that'll give you a, a really good mix. And that's and that's the three-in-one mix or the topsoil plus either plus. one. Yeah. So, great. Well, I will give that a try. All right. Good luck, Gord. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are open. You can call me at 403-974-8255, and uh, that is the talk and text line. And um, I also want to just chat. I just got a few more questions about pruning. And typically at, at a lot of times at this time of year, what you want to do is is also um, dead, damage, or disease um, branching on your trees and shrubs. Now that a lot of the leaves have fallen off, you can look up and you can see if you see any broken branches, things like that, try and get that removed as best you can at this time of year. If some of the stuff you can't get in, call in a, a certified arborist um, to get up there. Spruce trees are going to need some attention. Again, this is a really good watering. And then also that spruce clean out when, you, when the guys can go right up the middle of the tree and uh, and do that as well, and just clean them out. Really helps with airflow, and and really helps keep those trees nice and healthy. And if you, the least you can do right now is this again. Even with that rain, get out, give them all a little bit more water, and you'll be good to go. Also, I'll do one more time. Phone lines are open. Then I'm going to take a break. You can reach us at four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to. Let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open 403 974 8255. I'm going to go to the phone line and we got Marlies. Good morning, Marlies. Hi, good morning. I'm sorry. I called you, I think, in August about my hibiscus because the first one in July was pink. The second one in August was dark red. And now I forgot what you mentioned, why this. And yesterday, the third one opened up and it was white. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. It, um, it could have been, is there's, 
when you look down, is there three different stems coming out of the bottom, or is it just one solid one? Uh, actually, it's one solid one, and then it branches off. Okay. Because a lot of times I've seen them where they have uh, will bloom, and they'll plant two or three different kinds in a pot. But what it's doing, it's just reverting back to um, its natural um, color. Oh. So it's so it was probably um, white at the original. Uh huh. So and 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 then that's typically what they'll do. They'll revert. We'll get that in our flower, in our blooms, like in our petunias. Yeah. They'll start out um, in one color, and then by the end of the season, they've reverted back into a different color. Yeah. So. It's- it, it's 16 years old, and uh, the first couple of years it took a while, and then one year it had seven blooms, and they were all the same. <laughs> and I, yeah, now I remember. I think you mentioned something going back to the original. Yeah, and oh. it could be some of the two, and just the pH in it. Um, uh-huh. Some colors will change like that, um, but for the most part, it's just it, they'll, they'll revert back to some of their natural color if it's one of the ones that they've been uh, playing with the hybrid and they'll they'll go back to the uh-huh. different color so because they're gorgeous uh, blossoms i mean they are wonderful yeah. to look at yeah so just enjoy no matter <laughs> okay. what color so but yeah. again if you want to start feeding it again it'll be interesting to see if you can get it to go no. back if it is the ph uh-huh. like they yeah. do like the 30 10 10 they like the acidics. i use it yes i do all the time okay. i have my Perfect. container and uh, and uh, she gets it too honestly yeah well that's awesome well okay. and, and how often does it bloom for you well, like I said, um, two years ago it had seven. Last year I think it had only four, and this year three. <laughs> I wonder if it, you know, well, but it's constantly, it's wonderful. I mean, it. I'm always happy if I see a new <laughs> little thing coming up. Absolutely. Yeah, just ensure maybe it gets a little bit more light. Uh, and, oh, it has. Uh, it constantly okay. it's south exposed Perfect. close to the window and it has lots of leaves and it grows close reaching the ceiling not quite but uh, oh wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and so if, if if you if you can it doesn't hurt i know hibiscus don't mind being cut back once in a while oh, as well and sometimes okay. that'll help trigger some more blooms as well and what about if i cut back the top uh, can i get the top the cut off piece to a root, root? Yeah. absolutely. You could try it as long as it's softer. Like try and do yeah. it on some new growth, uh-huh. and then you can, and then get some rooting hormone number yeah. two. Oh, I have it. I, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give that a try. Great, you're so wise. See, some folks are wise, and I guess I'm otherwise. <laughs> okay, <No>. <laughs> I'm otherwise. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Okay, awesome. Bye. Thank Bye. you, Marlies. Bye. Take care. Bye. I love that. I'm going to use that one. Um, you're wise and I'm otherwise. Uh, that's inter- that. That's a good one. Um, and where I'm at for time, I'm good. I'm going to go to Bill. Good morning, Bill. Hello. Hi, Bill. Hello. Yeah. Hi I there. I have a question about asparagus. Okay. Uh, I have a row of asparagus that I planted about six years ago at a property east or west of Calgary. It's at uh, fairly high elevation and they, they've been growing really well but I don't seem to get good thick tips and they fern out and I'm wondering if there's a trick 
to uh, making them grow good, harvestable tips. Yeah. Um, what? And again, feeding them um, the like a fifteen thirty fifteen, a little bit more phosphate in the soil will help for sure. And okay. are they in a really really hot spot? No, they're kind of shaded by uh, spruce trees, which was another so, question. And that's, how much- yeah, that could be part of it as well. They do like to be out in the heat a bit um, and to be able to grow. Otherwise, when they go right to bloom right away, that just more or less tells it it's stressed out, like it's not able to get enough light. So, okay. So if you can trim up, or if you can maybe move them to a little bit, because they're hard enough to grow where you get enough asparagus um, to harvest at the best of times, <laughs> like you, you know what I mean. Like to get a couple handfuls of of asparagus, you need like a an army of plants. So, right. I, and, and you, go ahead. Do you, you cut off those ferns? Yes. When they start, I, to I come? definitely. As soon as they start coming, I always trim them off, and then that way you're tricking it into. So it needs to produce more of the heads. So do that as well. Okay. Uh, I have another question about tulips. Okay. How late in the fall can you plant tulip bulbs? Right up till freeze up. So you still have lots of time. Okay, perfect. That's what I wanted to hear. Actually, right now is a great time to do it as well um, because the ground is getting a little bit chillier. They're not going to grow. And, uh, yeah, right now is perfect time. It'll be great. Make sure you same thing with those. Good sunny location because if you have them in a bit shade, they come up too late, and then the heat in the daytime it almost they fade out because they do like that bright sun that warms them up, but they like the cool nights and the cool mornings and stuff like that. They'll just perform way better for you. They'll stay nice and tight and firm. Great, that's exactly All what right. I needed to to understand. Thank you. All right, perfect. Thanks, Bill. Take care. Bye-bye. And again, uh, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. We're going to have one more segment after the break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines, and we're going to chat with John. Good morning, John. Oh, hi. Actually, going to go to Robert. Good morning, Robert. Morning. Hi. How can I help you? Well, uh, for about two years now, um, like this year, I had beautiful peppers growing in my garden, and for some reason, these squirrels came in and ate everything except for our uh, our beans, our peas, everything except for our uh, one tomato plant that actually was really good this year. But And I've tried everything from mothballs down to spraying a little bit of lemon on the leaves of some things. And I am at my wit's end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a product called Bob X, but if you're spraying it on the fruit, it's a herb-based product. And yep. it, does it taste like it tastes really bad? So I'm not too sure if it would get absorbed onto the fruit. Are they eating the plant or just the harvest? They're eating the whole plant. Like they right down to the root. My uh, wife lo- was watching it and watched them actually 
or this one squirrel <laughs> eat the plant all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh. you can try Bobex. It, it actually works pretty good. Um, either that or there is some, unfortunately, you could use wire of some sort. We tried that this year. They got underneath. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they could be pretty crazy. I know we yeah. had them. And so what we ended up doing at the store, because they were coming in, eating the bird seed, coming in on the plants. They were getting in everywhere. We um, we just trapped them, and then we just went and released them further oh. west. And uh, Yeah, and I can't actually do that in the city here. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, just, you can get the traps at Princess Auto. And oh, okay. they're just safe traps, and then you could take them to a park or somewhere else away from your place uh, oh, okay. as best you can. Um, and they're live traps; they're not the not the traps that snap them. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. That. So, no, and we didn't either. So we we just couldn't have them. They just wouldn't stop coming into the store. Okay. Um. So we just we trapped them, and then we just took them and and let them go further further west and. Uh, and go from there, but they can be quite the problem, and yeah. you'll get people on both sides of this argument. So sometimes I don't even like to talk about it because. Oh, I get, I get it. Uh, I, get it. It, I get it. Yeah, and like I said, it's awesome. I, I have really good memories. My my uncle, my uncle Al worked for Canada Safeway as the head of security, and he'd always get all the old peanuts. And they lived down in Mount Royal area, just off H Street. So yep. he would bring or off thirty eighth Ave, sorry, and they he'd bring the peanuts home and be feeding them like crazy. But probably the neighbors hated them, right? You get so many. Yeah. So it's um, that, and it is a tough one. The only other thing, and and even raising them up doesn't help because squirrels can almost go anywhere. So yeah. Bobex is one. Start early on with them. Another okay. product, uh, Plant Skid, and you can spray the perimeter. It's a blood based product. But okay. the Bobex is a natural herb based product and it and it's and it works actually really well. And actually I just got squirrel eating. Go to the Looney store. They have plastic spiky mats. They work. Okay, so, maybe I will try that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's I, those I want a garden here. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's tough, right? And here's another Tina. I'm getting all kinds of tips over the text line. Try sprinkling cayenne pepper around we the plants that. too. Yeah. yeah, we did that. <laughs> and that's why I like the the bobex because you can spray it right on the plant, mm -hmm. and it and if you do it early enough before the fruit, hopefully they'll leave and, and do that and uh, and 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 be able to um taste and and get discouraged from coming back but I'll be honest one of the only places is is also um just unfortunately is the trapping when they get like that and then just find a place where you can um drop them off into a, a safer spot to to flourish in the natural area like in a big park or something like that <laughs> all right well thank you so much all right okay good luck with that you too. thanks Robert Bye bye. Yeah, that's and it's a tough one. It's um, it's one that uh, you we all love to see the squirrels, the different things in there. But man, if they get a taste of something, they can just be ravages and uh, and uh, and it's crazy. And we lost Rocky at the store a few years ago, um, a couple of years ago. So we uh, the squirrels moved in quite uh, quite quickly after Rocky had left, but they didn't come around when we had Rocky. So unless you have a good cat. 
that works good against the the squirrels as well. <laughs> that uh, is always a deterrent. And I got a text from one of my old neighbors, Tom, and he says, "Can I still plant garlic at this time of year?" Absolutely, Tom. It's perfect time still. Any of your bulbs, things like that, you can definitely plant um, at this time of year. The ground's still not frozen yet, so you're good to go. So, anyways, thanks again for listening in and uh, calling and participating. And we're going to get our garden on right here next week on 770 CHQR.